Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, The Testament of Jesus, the Messiah, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva, on April 30th, 2017. Especially on, uh, what is it, winter, summer, spring, a little confusing, isn't it? <laughs> But it's a gift, right? It's a gift from God. We get a new day and His mercies are new each and every single day. And we're grateful. We're grateful for everything that He gives us. Sun, snow, sleet, rain, all of the above, every hour on the hour, right? (laughs) It changes. Well, I'm excited that you're here this morning. Um, I believe that God has a a very special word for us this morning. I truly believe this. Uh, We're in a series that we're calling The Testament of Jesus, understanding how God's word from beginning to end points to our Savior, our Redeemer, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And so this morning, if you would mark your Bibles to the book of Zechariah, And we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 9, chapter 3, chapter 1, a little bit of all of it. There's about 14 chapters there. And in this book, we see Zechariah share with us the coming Christ, Jesus, the Messiah. And so as we we look at these passages this morning, I want us to see how, how Jesus is doing his part or will do his part to fulfill all the plans that God has for mankind. See, God not only uses us, but he used his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, to help us to understand what his plan is and what he wants for us and the things that he has for us in this lifetime. See, we we use the, the term Messiah so that we can understand exactly who Jesus is and what he has come to do for us. See, the Messiah, the Savior, has come to redeem us, to free us, restricts us in this life. See, it it pushes us away from the will of God. It moves us away from living out what God intended for you and I. And so the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, has come to restore us, to bring us into a right place in the presence of God the God that created us, the God that created the heavens and the earth. See, the plan that God set into motion through Jesus Christ is specifically to deliver mankind from this thing that we call sin. See, and sin is is simply missing the mark. It's, It's our disobedience to the things that God has for us and has planned for us. It's being out of the will of God. So what I'd like to do this morning, I'd like to look at the the beginning, the Genesis story, to start right there. And we all kind of understand what God did, right? He created the heavens. He created the earth. He created all the things in it. And then he creates man. And he looks at man and he says, we will create him in my image, in our image. And he is pleased. See, there's this this sense of satisfaction that God has in his creation. It's this love and passion for and excitement for the things that he's made. And you and I, we are are a part of that. See, so much so that, that God loves us that he would give us authority over all of the things that he has created. Isn't that isn't that kind of a cool thing to think about? That that you and I have been given authority by by God? the one that has created us. 
So we, we see in this Genesis story, God creates, he's pleased, man is here, and he gives them some very specific commands. He, he sets the path before him. But something interesting happens along the way. And if you would, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. And it'll be up on the screen here. If you, if you need a Bible, there's Bibles under the seats. Open up your phone, your iPad. Make sure you don't get on Facebook. Just kidding. Just picking on you. You can get on Facebook. As long as you're posting good things about Jesus, you can. But in Genesis chapter 3, listen to the story here. Listen to what transpires. Verses 14 and 15. See, something happens, sin enters the world, man falls, and they turn from God's plan. And so God says this to the serpent. He says, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And listen to this part. He says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. See, that's God revealing to you and I, revealing his plan for Jesus Christ, the Messiah. See, it's, the, it's G, him pointing to Jesus and the cross. It's him helping us understand that, that no matter what, even though Satan tried to deviate or separate or interrupt God's ultimate plan, that God isn't going to allow that, that God is in control. And he set into motion some very specific things in this Genesis story. Nor you, nor I, nor Satan can change that. See, whether we believe in God, whether we walk with God, or whether we live for God, what we have to understand is that God has a plan. And he set that plan into motion. And no matter what we do or don't do, God's going to see it through. And we see that come to life. We see that plan as we walk on this journey, as we look at God's word in the Bible. We see God showing us the things that he's going to take us through, the things that he's going to show to us and the things that he's going to reveal to us. And he does it all through the Messiah. He does it all through Jesus Christ. See, God sends the Messiah, the anointed one. He gives his son for all of us to know the depth of his love and to understand the plans that he has for us as his creation. See, in this plan, he offers each and every one of us eternal life in his presence. See, he gives us a gift, a free gift of salvation. And he does it very specifically and very intentionally through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ. So as we look at this story, as we see God's plan being unveiled to us, shown to us, we have to ask our question, well, what is Jesus' part in God's plan? And what does that have to do with me? See, Jesus came to do something very specific, and he understood God's plan. He was a part of God's plan from the very beginning. And so this morning, we're going to look at a few key passages that, that point us through the prophet Jeremiah that point us to not only the coming Messiah, but the returning Messiah. 
See, God uses Jesus in a very specific way. And this book that we're going to look at, this prophet, it's filled with prophecies of not only the first, but also the second coming of Jesus Christ. See, what's neat about this is that, that God gives us a little bit of a heads up of as, as what's to come. I want to I start with a chapter 1, the verses 2 and 3 this morning. I want you to listen to this, how, how this uh, prophet kind of shares what God is saying. It's a very strong statement from God to the people. In verse 2, he says, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. He says, Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to kind of what, what's going on in your mind as you hear that powerful statement. As, as, as Zechariah says that, that God is angry with the people. You see, I think for, for most of us, we might shrink back a little bit and may look at this God that, that's full of anger and, and it just wants to, you know, unleash his wrath upon us. I got to imagine the Israelites at this point, the people of God, were wondering themselves. You know, why would God say this, that I'm so angry with your fathers? But what did we do wrong? Why would you be angry with us? But I want you to think about it like this. Again, this is God warning us. This is God giving us a heads up. And he's asking us to do something very specific in our role in his plan. See, whether we follow him or not, again, he has set the future and he controls it. See, when we understand that God is helping us and not trying to hurt us, see, our responses will change. Our mindset will change. See, we will turn from seeing this God as a God of wrath to a God that that deeply loves me. That has set into motion something so special, so amazing that that I couldn't help but to just sit in awe of it. To think that, that God created everything and he's given me a part in it. He's given me some authority over it. See, and Zechariah says, there's a part that I have to play. And it's simply that we first first must, we must repent. He's saying we must return to God and God will return to us. See, you might ask yourself, well, what does he mean by that? Return to God and God will return to us. What have I done? What have I said? Well, see, what happens in our world today and has happened back then is that that we have tried to go our own way. We have set our own course. See, and and many times that, that way, that course, it isn't God's way. It isn't what God wants for us. See, and we have to repent. We have to turn back to God, knowing that God will turn to us and he's waiting for us. He's hoping that we'll, we will repent and that we will return to him. You know, in Jesus' ministry, as we look at the Gospels, we see in chapter 4 of Matthew, we see what Jesus opens up with. He simply says this, 
chapter 4, verse 17, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, Jesus opens up to the people and he says, when he starts his ministry, he says, return to me. He says, come back. You've gone your own way for so many years. Come back. Return to me. See, a lot of us, when we think of that word repent, it kind of confuses us a little bit. It's such a, a very strong word. Like if someone were to tell you that you were ignorant, you, you would probably be like, whoa, what? <laughs> ignorant? But we have to understand what what Jesus is saying here. See, he's inviting us back. He's saying, return to me. And then again in Luke chapter 5, verse 32, he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, it's the same way when we think that someone calls us ignorant, we get offended by it, right? We get bothered by that. But truly, I am ignorant to many things. There are many things in this world around me that I am very ignorant to. And Jesus is saying this in Luke. He's saying, look, there's some sin in your life. And for those of you that will acknowledge that, hey, you're who I've come for. I haven't come for the ones that think they know it all and have it all figured out. He says, I've come for those who are willing and understand that they need to turn away from the world and come to me. See, Jesus leads with this. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, this is Jesus' part in God's plan to bring us back, to turn us away from the world and bring us back to God. See, he wants to change our hearts, change who we are. You know, what's interesting, we think about repentance And we don't completely always understand what that means. But I think we can understand just a very, very, a couple of very simple things about repentance. And they're in your notes there. It's just simply that repentance is not just reflective of outward behaviors. But repentance is more a reflection of heart change. It's an inward change. See, God wants to change our hearts. You know, I don't know about you guys, but many times in my life, I want to lead with my heart. I want to lead with my emotions. If I'm feeling something, I'm going to act upon it. But typically, that's not always the best way to act. Typically, that's not the the best way to respond. You know, early in my marriage, my wife Janice, uh, many of you are right to say, you know, it's amazing that she's lasted this long with you because... You know, we've been married for 26 years. We just celebrated it this last month in April. We've been together for over 30 years. And yes, we started dating about seven and eight. So just in case you're wondering, do the math. I'll let you add it up from there. But early in our marriage, I gave my life to Jesus. And she hadn't yet. And in those moments... I would tell her all of the things that I thought she needed to do. You need to go to church. You need to read your Bible. You need to do this. You need to do that. And yet she wouldn't. And I was so focused on the things that I thought she needed to do. And then one day, one day I just kind of got to my wit's end and I just thought, man, she's just not doing anything I'm asking her to do. And so I I got into the presence of God and and I bowed down before him and I said, God, what's wrong with her? 
What's going on here? Why, why isn't she coming to you? Why hasn't she surrendered her life to you? Why isn't she walking with you? And you know, in those moments, God spoke to me. And, and he simply told me this. He said, Floyd, he says, it's not her that needs to change. It's you. And I tell you what, I wrestled with that. I struggled with that. And I said, what do you mean I need to change? Man, I go to church every Sunday. Yeah, and I look good when I go to church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what God was helping me to understand that, that the exterior wasn't what was important to him. It was the heart. See, my heart needed to change. You know, I'll confess my sin to you. I needed to repent. I needed to repent in those moments because there were some things in my life that were dishonoring to God. I was not walking in God's will for my life. See, going to church, going to a Bible study doesn't necessarily make it you're in God's will or God's obedience. See, because there's a heart aspect that has to happen. See, God wants to change our hearts God wants to do something in us and then he can do something through us. But until we allow him to do that, until we repent and turn from the things that we think are good for us or right for us, we can't expect God to do anything through us. See, I had to come to realize that my part in this was simply just to do my part. Not to worry about Janice's part or anybody else's part. But I had to do my part. I want to ask you this morning. It's a tough question. I want to ask you, have you repented? Have you repented? Yeah, I know for many of us this morning, we, we might be a little offended by the question. And if you are, maybe, maybe just maybe, instead of, instead of being offended, maybe just think about it. Examine your heart. Let God examine your heart. And think about what repentance is, why Jesus came, and what that looks like. And let, let God work in your life. You know, turn back to Him and say, God, have I done some things in my life that, that have hurt you, that have been in disobedience to the things that you had for me and have for me? You know, I, I have a, a really good friend who lives in California now. Many years back, early in my spiritual journey, he was a mentor to me, and, and uh, we met every week for coffee. And one day we, we met for coffee, and we were just talking about life, and he was sharing his story and what was going on in his life. But he asked me a question. He said, Floyd, have you ever wept over your sin? And I tell you what, I didn't really answer him because I didn't know how to answer him because the truth of the matter is I hadn't ever wept over my sin. But I, I left that morning and I was offended. My, my friend offended me. See, because I didn't understand what he was telling me. Was he saying that, that he sees something in my life that I should just be crying over or be sad over? You know, I had to actually wrestle through that question. I tell you what, you know, I, I blamed him at the moment, but it was really God that got into my head a little bit. And he, and he started to work on my heart. 
And I wrestled with that question, I tell you, probably for at least a year. And I even repeated the story of like, how dare him <laughs> ask me that question? You know, Can you believe he'd ask me that? You know, then, then I started to look at God's word and God started to wrestle with me and he, he started to teach me. And I tell you what, if you would flip over to the James, the book of James chapter four, I want you to see what God does. It's right after the book of Hebrews, James chapter four. I want you to listen to this because something that we, we lose sight of maybe, we get busy, we think we're okay, and we kind of fall into places where I don't think we need to be. And James here, it tells us some very specific things. He gives us the cure. And in verse 7 of chapter 4, he simply says this. He says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, living in the world and living for Jesus. Make up your mind. He says, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then he ends it in verse 10 by just simply saying, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. He is simply saying, turn back to God and let him do the work. If you want him to work through you, you've got to let him work in you. Have you mourned over your sin? That's a tough question, isn't it? That's a tough one. Something to think about. Well, as we seek God's will, God's plan for our lives, how do we understand? How do we know if it is his plan or our plan? How do we discern in those moments? Well, the simple answer is just this. If it lines up with God's word, then most likely you're in God's will. If it lines up with the character of God, then most likely you are in God's will. You know, a lot of times we think, well, God's will, do I have to be in ministry? Do I have to be a pastor? No, that's not necessarily the case. But there are some very specific things that God has for you in your life, whether you're vocationally in ministry or not. And you'll know if it lines up, if you look at God's word, if you look at the Bible, and it lines up with who God is and the character of God. Because remember, we looked at the Genesis story, right? He created us in whose image? His image, right? So if we're living our lives, shouldn't it be a reflection of who God is? No matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing? That's what Jesus did for us, right? When he came, the Messiah, he modeled a lifestyle for us, a life of obedience, See, and in God's plan, what he wants us to do is to move from the things that we think are okay and right for us, that the world tells us is okay and right for us, back to the things that he has for us, to his plan for us, the things that he intended for us. Flip back over to Zechariah chapter 3. And uh, there's a, a very interesting dialogue that happens here in the first uh, Eight, 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 about eight verses. I mean, it continues on a little bit there. But God gives, gives a vision here. God shows Zechariah something. 
He says, verse 1 in chapter 3, it says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will close you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head, so that so they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. And behold, I will bring my servant, the branch. Do you, do you see the tension that's happening there? Do you see the, the aspect of how the devil wants to, to, to move people away from God's plan? But who's in control? Who's in control? See, we see here that God's in control. And he says, I rebuke you, Satan. He says, I am going to restore my people. I'm going to give them a new garment. I am going to clothe them with fine linen. And he says, because of this, and for this reason, my plan is to extend this branch to you. Jeremiah 23, verse 5 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. See, this is the testament of Jesus. See, this is God pointing us to the Savior, to the Messiah. See, it's Jesus' plan or part in God's plan that he has set before us. And then we come to our, our main passage for the morning. And this passage is used a lot on Palm Sunday. It's used a lot in the essence of before Easter. But I think we should really reflect on this often because we see something very specific happen here in God's Word. Zechariah 9, verses 9 and 10, it says, Rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, underline this part, your king is coming to you. Your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation, he is humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. 
His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. There it is. The Messiah has come to you. Did you hear that? He has come to you. Jesus came for you. Jesus came for me. And he came with a specific plan. He brought salvation for you and I. He offers you peace. He offers you everything that you will need in this lifetime. All he's, all he's asking is that, that you would repent, that you would return to him, that you would come back into his original plan for your life. Now again, that word repent is a, a very strong word. You know, it would be no different than if I would just stand up there and say, are you ignorant to this? You know, it's, it's striking. It, it grabs us. It makes us think, why would someone say this? But I think that's what God intended to do with that word. I think God wants to grab us. God needs to, to shake us a little bit, to move us a little bit. Because sometimes we get too comfortable and we rest on our own way. We rest on our own things. We rest on our own power, our own strengths. But Jesus says this. He says, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn back to me. Because guess who's standing in front of you? The Messiah, the anointed one. I have come to you. So this morning, as we close our service, I just want to simply ask you, again, have you repented? Is Jesus your Messiah? Is Jesus your Messiah? In the next few moments, we're going to change it up a little bit this morning. And I want to ask, as Jeff and the band come forward, we're going to sing two songs as we close out our service this morning. And the first song... Is, is come to the altar. See, Jesus says to repent. He says to come back to Him. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you ready to come back to Jesus? Are you ready to call Him your Messiah? Now, I, I'm not going to put you guys on the spot or, or make you come forward and raise your hand. But I want to ask you to do this. And I, I think we should do more of this as, as the church. I want to ask you to, to wherever you're sitting with the people around you to get into little groups, maybe one or two or maybe five or seven, however many you need to. And I want you to spend, as we sing this song, Oh, Come to the Altar, I want you to spend some time just praying together. You know, the Bible tells us that we are to confess our sins to one another, that we are to come into each other's presence as we get into the presence of God and help each other walk in this life, to, to live this life in accordance to God's plan for you and I. And so let's do that this morning. Let's come together with repentive hearts, with hearts that say, you know what, please God, change me. Now, in your bulletins there, I, I gave you a little prayer. I gave you a prayer of repentance, and it comes from Ezekiel. And it's a prayer for you. 
And there's also a prayer for someone that you might know that isn't walking with God right now. Whether it's a family member or a coworker, if you just fill in his name, it's a beautiful prayer. And it's simply just asking this, saying, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, the mercy and the grace you've given me. Father, change me. Give me a new heart. Give me a new spirit. Take this hard heart and give me a heart of flesh. And if there are any things, any idols, anything that would stand in the way of us, remove them. Remove them from my life. See, I don't know what those idols are for you. I don't know the things that you struggle with. I don't know your heart. But I do know that God does. And I do know that God loves you. I do know that that God wants to restore you. See, this isn't an angry God that, that just wants to squish us. See, this is a loving God that says, hey, come, turn from your sin, repent, and come back to me. And know that I will wrap my loving arms around you. Know that I will hold you and I I will keep you. And I will give you peace through my son, Jesus Christ. So as we sing this last song, I'm going to pray. And I would just ask that you guys would, if you need to get up from your seats, if you want to, you know, move around the sanctuary, you're free to do that. Because remember, there is freedom in Christ. And we're here to to worship corporately. We're here to worship together as the body of Christ. And to come into God's presence, to give Him praise, to seek forgiveness, and to thank Him just for all that He's done for us. Let's do that together this morning as the church. Let's pray. Father, we just thank You for this morning. We thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your grace. Father, it's through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we can have hope, that we can have love, that we can have everything that we need for this lifetime. Father, you know our hearts. And Father, this morning we ask as we bow before you, as we sing and we lift holy hands, Father, that you would would speak to our hearts, that you would soften them, Father. Give us new hearts. Fill us with your Spirit. Help us to to truly understand all of these great things that you have for us. Lord, and we thank you as we go on this journey with you, as we seek to discover and to better understand what you want for us. Father, we thank you that you've guided us, that you pursued us. And Father, most importantly, that you love us. And there's nothing we can do to change that love. There is no sin. There's nothing we can say. There's nothing that we can do to change that love. Father, I I pray for every heart in here, Lord, that that you would just right now in these moments help every person here to understand the things that you desire for them. Lord, and that we would repent and we would turn to our Messiah, the Anointed One, Jesus the Christ. Thank you, Father. We love you, we praise you, and we do it all in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 
or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.